sometimes we just need peace. And I think this morning there's some people that, that just need peace. I feel like the Lord was talking to me that there are some people in the room who um, are just carrying things, um, carrying things about who they're supposed to be and where they're going and why are they sitting in this church on a Sunday morning. And I feel like the Lord wants to say to you this morning that like the revelation that he brought to Jacob, that he truly was Israel. Uh, if you read the story of Jacob, he wrestles an angel all night. Has anyone heard this story? He gets a hip displacement at the end. And uh, he gets a revelation of his identity. And so Jacob means deceiver, right? Great name. <laughs> it's like, what were your parents thinking? Yeah, if your name's Jacob in here, it's okay. God's redeemed. <laughs> but he was, na- he was named deceiver. And the Lord gave him a new name, gave him a new identity in him, and that was Israel. And Israel means prince of God. Prince of God. Some of you don't realize that you're royalty. And that just like a prince or a princess has people that their parents have employed to help them and serve them, there's angelic hosts There's angels that are working on your behalf. I just feel like people need to know that this morning, that there is actually God's servants, ministers of flame and fire, angelic hosts that are working on your behalf this morning, that are taking care of things and delivering what you need in your life. And you have to realize that there's things going on in the spirit realm. Did you guys know that? There's things going on that we don't understand in the spirit. And some of you this morning need grace. And the grace sometimes looks like God releasing angelic help. And so I'm just going to pray over that this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for bringing a revelation right now that there are servants that you've dispatched. There are servants that you've dispatched that are carrying grace. Just like in the New Testament when angels would carry a message And that message would actually release what God was doing. The message that was delivered actually would release the grace. And Lord, we just pray for that angelic release of grace this morning. For sickness, for familial problems, for financial problems. And I just feel like even some professional uh, people in here are having issues with their situation at work. And there's grace for you and you need faith for that. Faith activates what God's doing in the spirit in your life. Faith is the canteen that you put in the river to take with you. Sometimes you got to walk a little past the river, right? Sometimes you can go to the river and you can hang out and you can drink and you can be there and you can get refreshed. But sometimes you got to go back to work. Sometimes you got to go to that family reunion. Sometimes you got to go hang out with that person that you'd rather really not see. And there's grace available to you, but you got to put your canteen in the river. You got to get filled up. You got to allow God to fill you up with that grace. And how do you get that faith? Faith is the container, faith is what activates it in your life. Faith is going to give you that opportunity to carry something more than just what you're capable of producing. And so that's for some of you this morning. It's not what I'm talking about. Um, with the belonging conference coming up, I've just been thinking about community a whole bunch. Um, and just thinking about our community and thinking about our church and, and what's God's do- what God is doing and, and how we can grow together. And I'm really excited about this, this word this morning. I feel like I'm going to be like a, a chiropractor this morning. I feel like I want to point out some things about the way we walk. And I want to point out some things about the way we talk and how we stand and how we go through life. And, you know, a chiropractor, you go and you're like, I got this pain. I got this pain in my hip and it's been there forever. And, you know, the chiropractor may adjust you and he might uh, be like, hey, what's your bed like? Well, I sleep on a park bench. It's like, well, (laughs) might be part of the problem, you know, Um so there's sometimes things we, we don't realize that are a part of our lifestyle 
that are causing pain. And there are actually things that we can do, decisions we can make, that will relieve that pain and allow us to focus on things that we actually care about. The problem with pain is that it steals your focus. Pain steals your focus. Pain is not constructive. It's a signal. Pain is your body saying, hey, something is messed up in here. Something's not right. Some of us think that embracing our pain is going to cause a change. It's not. Embracing your pain just makes you more aware of your pain. Some of us wallow in pain. And I'm telling you this morning, you got to look for the change. The pain is a signal that something's messed up. And that's a, it's a God-given signal. If something in your heart is hurting, God's wired us to know when something is not right. And that's grace to us to say, hey, something needs help here. So this morning we're going to talk about community. I think I'm just going to have some Holy Ghost adjustments for you guys. And I'm going to be gentle. You know, you go to a chiropractor and they jerk you around and you leave worse than you came. I'm not going to be that guy. I've been to that guy. It hurt. He's like the fastest chiropractor I've ever been to and uh, left inflamed. So we're going to avoid that this morning. I'm just going to be as gentle and nice about some of these things as possible. You're like, what is he going to say? This is going to be terrible. No, uh, actually, most of it's not even about the adjustment. It's just going to be some teaching, and we'll get into a little bit of adjustment. So I want to talk about there's a, a relationship triangle that you need to be aware of. And there's a song, I can't remember how it goes, it's like, uh, oh yeah, Jesus, others, and you, something, something, that spells joy. I need children's church workers to remember this song. Do you know this song, by the way? Okay, it's before your time, I guess. So, we used to sing the song in children's church, Jesus, others, and you, and that spells joy. And it's a cute little song, but it actually is kind of profound. Um, and there's a triangle of relationship, I just want to call where it's God, us, and others. And where that the health is on the different parts of that triangle is going to affect your walk. It's going to affect how successful your, your personal life is, your family life is, and in your church life is. Um, a lot of times, you know, when we're trying to not drown, we're not so concerned about other people. And that's okay place to be in. It's not an okay place to stay in forever. Um, you need to get some floaties or learn to swim. You know, <laughs> you need to do something. Uh, and a lot of times you need to ha- a hand, somebody else to help you get out of that, that state of feeling like you're drowning all the time. But there's a level of grown-upness that we need to come into where we have learned how to deal with our emotions or know where to go when we need help, and have a structure around us that creates health, emotional health, spiritual health, and physical health. Because physical health can affect emotional <laughs> emotional health, definitely. Um, so all those are important. So when we talk about God, others, and, and us, we need to realize that we need to have all those areas in a situation of health for us to be successful and to, to be in that, that season of blessing that we're all kind of wanting to get to, but we sometimes feel like we're not quite in, you know? You're like, feeling like you're in a drought and you feel like you need something to break through for you. I felt that way a lot. And so, listen to this. In the beginning, connection was as natural as our impulse to breathe. You have to think about breathing. No, it's subconscious. Like even in your sleep, you ever just wake up and you're like, because <coughs> you like forgot to breathe, sleep apnea or whatever. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I'm like, <coughs> and I'm like, oh, well, I almost died in my sleep. That's great. Um, in the beginning, connection was as natural as our impulse to breathe. Adam and Eve didn't have to think in the beginning, how do I do this relationship thing? It came natural because they had a connection with the relator, (laughs) the one who is the essence of what relationship looks like. Just like oxygen, relationship was readily available and as simple as wanting it. 
in the beginning. God knew mankind, and mankind knew God. The fall wasn't just humans losing their identity or their natural ability to live righteously. Those two things were a result of a disconnect from an eternal relationship with God. They were symptoms. God made Adam and Eve to be eternally connected to himself and to each other. It's not good for man to be alone. Isn't that interesting? It's not good for man to be alone. Well, he's not alone. He's got you, God. No, like, he needs other people. God made us and designed us in his image. Isn't that, doesn't that let you in a little bit on what God's like, that he wants relationship? He said it's not good for man to be alone, but he made man in his image. Isn't that interesting? That God, the, his nature is for relationship in that way. The fall started like this. Eve believed the lie and questioned God's motives. Okay? None of us have ever done that before, right? Wanting something she was designed for, but already had access to. You'll be like God, is what Satan said. Spoiler alert, she already was. But already had access to through relationship with God. Sin is the heart trying to get something it was made for apart from God. I could do a whole sermon on that. Sin is the heart trying to get something it was made for apart from God. Eve was deceived, and Adam was apathetic, kind of just stood there, let the whole thing happen, as he stood by letting this happen. I wrote that. Somewhere in the mix, their hearts disconnected from God, and their temptation led to sin. Adam and Eve fell before their teeth actually went into the apple or fig or peach, whatever it was. Pick your least favorite fruit. That's definitely the one. Um, apricot, I don't know. Uh, I wonder if other people imagine, like, oh, it's got to be like a fig tree. Um, something in their heart disconnected from God before they actually acted out. Because that's how sin works. It, it, sin starts when the decision happens to disconnect. To disconnect from the truth, to disconnect from what God's doing. And so before their teeth ever sunk into whatever fruit that was, their heart had already disconnected because they said yes to being apart from him. And then Adam accused Eve, of course. Adam became the human co-founder of the blame game. Um, way to go. <laughs> you know, Satan's called the accuser, and Adam took up the mantle pretty quick. Pretty quick. Um... I just kind of laid that out this morning because I, I want us to see that relationship, there's only like one place of healthy relationship, really only one place. Humanism isn't going to do it, you know. Is any ever, I mean, some of us might not understand the term humanism, but this whole concept of humans can be good if we just choose to be good. I'm like, you can put that on a sign and walk in the streets all you want, but it's not going to make people good. It's not going to make people be healthy. It's not going to make people relationship. It's a great idea. It's what we were designed for. I think humanism is seeing what humans were designed for, but being forever unable to attain it. Your solution is only going to be temporary without the solution, Mr. Solution. <laughs> And I think we need to understand that our personal relationships, our communal relationships, apart from God, guys, they can be good, but they're not going to be in a state of protected health. I, I think sometimes we, we have this, this thing that if, we can convince other people to do the right thing, then things are good. Just because you can force a change or insert yourself into a situation and cause it to change and people make different decisions doesn't mean anyone's heart has changed in the process. 
There's a lot of things going wrong in this country, and I'm not going to get off on a political thing because that's a hole I don't want to get into this morning. <laughs> Big like quicksand if you're not careful. Um, there's a whole lot of things going chaotic and wrong in this country, and it's got a lot of people worried. I'm not worried. Um, I mean, the world ends. We're just going to heaven anyway, so can't be that bad, right? Um, I'm not saying I'm apathetic, but I'm not worried. But I think people think that if they can force change, that suddenly people's hearts will change. And they're trying everything that they can do to force a change to happen. And yes, change absolutely, <laughs> dear God, needs to happen. Like we all recognize something needs to change. But there is not a chant you can scream. There's not a sign you can write. There's not a bill you can pass that's going to change the hearts of people. It's not. You can educate. You can educate. That's good. We should do that. You can educate the soul, and we should do that. But that change that we're looking for, the, the real turnover of the heart, the tilling of the soil, God's the only one that can do that. And until we realize that we actually, as humans, it is essential for us to tap into God for heart change, the sooner we realize that, the sooner we're going to see the things we want changed. And I'm saying that because some of you think that if a certain law passes, it's going to change what's happening. It might change some of the symptoms, but that thing will find a way to rear its ugly head again. I'm telling you, you can pass all the laws in the world that doesn't necessarily stop a broken heart from manifesting its brokenness. It will find a way to come to the surface. And um, with that in mind, I want us to think about relationship on a few different fronts, okay? Relationship... Revival is a return to relationship. You guys heard that term, revival, right? Revival is coming back to life. You know, revival, okay? That's what it means. Coming back to life. Coming out of your grave. Salvation is, a, is the greatest personal revival you'll ever have. You came to life. You were dead in your trespasses. You accepted Christ and you came back to life. Revival is a return to relationship. And that's why we're always pushing. We want revival. We want to see revival. We want to see change. We want to see something shift. We want to see something happen. What we're really saying deep down in our hearts of hearts is we want to see love manifest itself. We want to see love change hearts. We want to see love help our community, help our family, help us. <laughs> Please, help me. <laughs> I need it. So revival is a return to relationship. It's returning to the Father by passing through the Son, by being motivated and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so there's your God portion of the triangle, your revival triangle right there. God's on top of that triangle. You've got to know the Father. You've got to know the Son. You've got to know the Holy Spirit. And usually people are okay with the Father and the Son, and they get a little hung up on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Because he just doesn't behave. I don't. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is just like, he never minds his own business. He's always just turning things over. He's kind of strange to our natural mind. He, he moves past our culture and does things that we don't like. But at the same time, he's the essence of personality that's in God. God's funny. He's funny. He's hilarious. He lives for joy and excitement. Like, he's definitely more exciting than I am. Sometimes I'm like, I'm so serious. I just feel so serious. 
and he's just alive. There's not a person <laughs> who ever made it to heaven and said, wow, this wasn't all it was cracked up to be. <laughs> I, I just want to break an idea that you're going to be, you know, a baby angel in diapers playing a harp and shooting arrows on a cloud. <laughs> like, people actually think that sometimes. They're like, heaven's going to be so boring. Have you seen all the paintings? They're just sitting on clouds and stuff. Looks terrible. <laughs> all three members of the Godhead must be embraced, pursued, and revelation must be had about the nature of all three in one. If we don't understand Jesus, we don't see the Father. And we don't understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. If we don't see the Father, we don't understand our own nature and identity. If we don't see the Holy Spirit as he truly is, then we don't have a clear picture of Jesus or the Father and what they're wanting to do. The Holy Spirit brings out the do of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that's highlighting what's God doing in now. Not, not necessarily what God did 2,000 years ago. Of course, the Holy Spirit will give you revelation on that. But people in the church don't understand sometimes that they need to have a present revelation and understanding of what God is doing right now. He's not absent. He's not apathetic. He's not sitting back like Adam. That's not God's nature. He's participating. He's involved. He's watching every single thing unfold. And he's interested and he's passionate and he's hopeful. He's not worried. He's not like, oh, God. That writing's getting really bad down there. I think he hurts with us. I think he, he feels our pain. I think he understands and relates with that. But at the same time, he's not up there biting his fingernails. And the Holy Spirit is bringing that revelation to us. That's why we need the presence. That's why we need the presence to be like, hey, guys, guys, guys. God's not freaking out. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes us out of what's going on in our mind and into the reality of heaven. He's the one that is showing us what's happening in heaven so we can get our soul in the right place, in the right alignment. Because if we don't have that, if we don't have access to the presence, which you do, you do, anytime you want it. Holy Spirit, come. Boom. It's not tinglies, necessarily. It's not a feeling. It's faith. I have access I have access to the presence. I have access to God. The belief is what opens the door to that. Jesus paid the way. He gave you the key. But your faith is what opens the door. Your faith is what steps you through it into what God is doing. You can have access to that when your soul is like, ah, I can't pay my bills on time. You can step in to something higher and stronger than yourself. And it will shape and mold you. It will change you. It will motivate you. You're having a bad day and you, feel, you can't feel like you get anything done? Go spend a little time in the presence. Go spend a little time getting realigned. Go spend a little time allowing God to shift your thinking back to who you really are, to your heart, to your heart of hearts, and not what you think is going to happen or your worries or your frets or those things. That's the problem with the church is we're living in a carnal existence when we're supernatural beings. Come on. I want to be more than just a brain. Because I found the limits of my brain. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> what, was, what was I supposed to do today? Uh, oh, I forgot that? I don't want my life to be determined by my gray matter. <laughs> Some of you are like, I can get by. I was like, well... You're very blessed, but I have found my limits. <laughs> found them early and fast. <laughs> I need more than just my carnal life, my body, which is slowly dying. Hello. <laughs> and all the teenagers are like, no, definitely not. That'll never happen. Just wait. No. Um, 
I need more than the carnal mind and the carnal body. I need access. So returning to the Father by passing through the Son, being inspired, motivated by the Holy Spirit. That's first three in my little fronts, war fronts. Next three, connecting to Jesus' body. Okay? Once we have this, this starts to get sorted out. Okay? And when this starts to get sorted out, we're not drowning anymore, and we can start to attending to relationship around us. Jesus' body is not just the people you go to church with. It's not the house, the building. Jesus' body is not your favorite guy on TV in a suit that's really good at preaching and teaching, although he's a part of it, I'm sure. God's body is every single person that is and will be in eternity with us. And we have to have a mindset. Like, let's get this sorted out. But once we get that sorted out and we get our eyes on Jesus and we can really see him for what he is and that he is love and all our judgments about God, they're not true. Once that gets sorted out, then we can start to put our attention on the people around us, the people that are just living life with us. And I think our programs are helpful in all of these things that we do in church, that, you know, all these different tools that we use. But ultimately, it comes down to this. Can you love the people around you well? That's really what it comes down to. Life is a lot simpler than we think it is. Like, yeah, it's, it's very deep. There's a lot of complexities that are in life. But being successful at life is actually pretty simple. Once you get this figured out, start getting this figured out. Love God, love others. That's the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. <laughs> and then move on from there. Let me read this. Romans 13.8, and you won't have these, Nellie, so don't worry about it. Romans 13.8, owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth, another hath fulfilled the law. Galatians 5.13, for brethren, ye have been called unto freedom, only not freedom for an occasion to the flesh, which is the carnal mind, carnal body, this spacesuit, you know, but by love serve one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. 1 John 3.11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 4.7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. The result of you understanding this is that you are going to love this way. Vertical access, vertical love, God loving you, you loving him. The fruit of that is loving people. It's a lot simpler than we think it is. Now we have to do things to get ourselves in alignment. So connecting to Jesus' body, connecting to the lost. And here's one I'm just going to mention, but I'm not going to go into. Restoring the earth by releasing heaven. So all of creation groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. When each of these fronts is met, revival has truly happened. If we care more about each other than God, we are participating in humanism. If we are so focused on God that we don't see humanity, then we are not truly seeing God for who he is. We're probably only looking at how we think God is from a doctoral standpoint. I've met a lot of scholarly, intelligent people whose hearts are cold. They know everything there is to know about God, but they really don't know anything about him, about him as a person. They know everything he's done really well. They can look at his history and say all the different things he's done, but their heart isn't warm towards people. They're not compassionate. They don't want to be moved. They'd rather discuss how right they are or how wrong you are. (laughs) If we care about God and the lost, but we ignore the Christian community, we don't understand God's love for the bride. If we ignore the loss and hang out only with God and his body, we don't know the true burning compassion of Jesus and the price that he paid. 
any unbalance on any of these is going to cause us to, to not have the momentum we need to change the world around us. So all these areas need to be in connection and health, and we'll start to see the world shift. And I'm going to move pretty quick through this. And I'm just going to read because it will keep me on track. What is revival? Revival is simply humanity returning to a complete relationship after being disconnected from God. All fronts must be engaged for complete relationship. Revival is when things that are inactive or dead are brought back to the forefront of our attention and lifestyle. Revival is lifestyle Christianity, not a good meeting. Just because we felt the presence doesn't mean we're in a state of revival. It's when God's people wake up, clothe themselves with Christ, and are filled with holy power and compassion for the world around them. Salvation, healing, and charismatic gifts have all had recent revivals in the last few hundred years, and now God is paving the way for a complete relationship revival. We've seen the power. Now it's time for the power to motivate us to love. That's what God is doing right now. You guys remember the healing revivals of the 50s? Anybody? Was anybody alive? When, yeah? Yeah. Come on. Jesus people movement in the 70s. These different things where God was revealing parts that he was wanting to unfold to the church. We're about to see the greatest relationship revival since Acts <laughs> 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. <clears throat> the problem that we're facing is that much of the world... Ar- much of the church around the world has been stuck in a state of perpetual infancy. Spiritual babies. You understand a baby best by the way it behaves. I've met newborn babies, and I've met 60- and 70-year-old babies. Just because you can grow a beard and make children does not mean you are a mature spiritual adult. Just because you can hold a job and pay all your bills does not mean you are a mature adult, adult in every area. Just because you've graduated college, now I'm going to start stepping on some toes here, because you're like, you don't know what I went through. I was like, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Just because you graduated college or gotten a master's or PhD does not mean that you have stepped into maturity. You've worked really hard. That is true, and no one can take that achievement from you. But that does not mean you've stepped into maturity. The kingdom has a higher standard for maturity than the world. The problem is the standard for maturity for a lot of Christian people is the world. Well, if I've got it all together financially, got my house, got my bills paid, my kids are all in college, the American dream is not the standard for spiritual maturity. It's a great idea. Love it. It's not the standard for spiritual maturity. It's not necessarily going to change the world. Nothing against... I love America, so don't take that the wrong way. The world equates achievement to maturity. What have you done? What have you accomplished? What, what, is, what is all the things you've done? Nothing wrong with achievement. Nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't equally maturity. The kingdom is that the greatest is the least. So whoever is the least, what does that mean? That means your maturity is seen by the amount and quality of your love, not necessarily all the things you've accomplished. You can give your body to the flames, but if there's no love, it means nothing. That's what Paul said. You can start the world's biggest charity and do it all for yourself and get your name out there, but if you have, lo- you have not love, you haven't achieved anything. You're not mature. You can do all the right things that a loving person would do, but if you did it with the wrong heart, it, it's basically the same as Cain's sacrifice to the Lord. He won't accept it. If your love is little, your maturity is little. The problem when you tell the church to love well is that the standard for love in much of the body of Christ is the same standard as the carnal world. It's not the same. 1 Corinthians 3 is a great model, or 1 Corinthians 13 is a great model for, for maturity. All those things that describe love, if you want to know how mature you are, go read that chapter <laughs> and be challenged. And put your name in there. I love that when ministers do that. They're like, just put your name in there. Personalize it. Is it let's just do that real quick. I'm going to bring this out. 
This is a kind of a, a classic way of self-evaluation. I love it. And this is not to beat yourself up. Please don't get me, get me wrong. This is just to evaluate where you're at and what you need to ask for help for, for grace for. Okay. Let's see, I'm going to put my name in here, and you can see what this is like. Caleb suffers long and is kind. Caleb does not envy. Caleb does not parade himself and is not puffed up. Caleb does not behave rudely. Caleb does not, that's one I need help on sometimes. (laughs) Caleb does not seek his own. Caleb is not provoked. Caleb thinks no evil. Caleb does not rejoice in iniquity. Caleb rejoices in the truth. Caleb bears all things. He believes all things and he hopes all things. Caleb endures all things. (laughs) Caleb never fails. (laughs) Well, that's not true. Uh, So try that sometime and see what does not feel real when you're saying it out of your mouth. (laughs) You're like, that's not true. (laughs) That is not where I'm at right now. And God's not browbeating us saying, you failure. He's going to highlight things to us that we can get adjusted to step into maturity, okay? Okay. James 3.17. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Wisdom is, in a way, spiritual intelligence. It's how can love activate in any given moment. Wisdom shows you what love would do in any given moment. And so when we we say that, you can put love into this situation. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Oh, my gosh. It's, I mean... It's one thing for somebody who browbeats people all the time to ask you to be submissive, and you're just like, yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? (laughs) You would love that, wouldn't you, if I just rolled over and died? (laughs) Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. If we don't value biblical love, then we cannot grow into mature Christians. All right, let me skip ahead. Imagine you have a family. Let's pretend your mom and dad are driving down the highway with you and your 14 brothers and sisters. 14. They all look like you. In a <laughs> they're like, they got lucky. <laughs> in, a large pa- in a large passenger van. The goal of this family trip is to get to Chicago and eat some deep dish pizza. The Underwoods recently inspired me with this analogy. What happens if you run out of gas? Is it only the person driving that has a problem? Everybody's got a problem. I titled this, Why Should I Care? Why should you care? The, the problems that are happening in the body, in our community, are not just Pastor CJ, Pastor Lisa's problem. And I'm going to personalize this for this house. The things that this body needs to be successful, it's not the leadership, just the leadership. If you identify with the community, whether it be here or any other community God puts you in, okay? Let's, I'm going to say that any time in your life. If you identify as I am connected and I'm supposed to be a part of this community, then part of that mantle is yours to carry. It's not just mom or dad's fault. Okay? We're a family. When, if you have a solution, you know, if one of the kids had a gallon of gasoline in their back pocket and they didn't tell mom and dad, and the van's broken down, what if you have the answer to some of the needs that this body has? Maybe there's something inside of you that needs to come out. And that in our community, I think, it, it, it needs to change. 
and I'm not, this is not me calling anybody this, so please don't take this the wrong way. I just want to bring your mind to this kind of behavior, and this is not an accusation at all. Has anyone ever known a mooch? A mooch. You guys ever heard this term? This might be a newer term for some of you. I've had friends, every single time you go out to eat, they left their wallet at home. How does that happen? It happens because they think somebody else is going to take care of them. <laughs> Someone who doesn't take contribution into relationships seriously. And I will tell you this about church. Whether you go to this church or not, what you are investing into the environment around you is going to affect your experience. Everybody wants the everything on a silver platter. That would be great. I love when that happens. That's good. That's great. You know, feasting, somebody taking care of you. You go to somebody's house and you just find the hostess with the mostess. And it's like every wildest dream you could have eating at somebody's house comes true. You know, you're just like, who are you? And will you be my mom? You know. What I'm saying is that your investment into a community of believers is going to affect not only the community, but your experience. Because it's the law of sowing and reaping. What you are sowing, you will reap a harvest in, whether it is love, connection, finances, everything. People get hung up on the finances because everyone's just like, you just want my money. It's like, well, it'd be nice <laughs> to keep the lights on. So you'd have a place to, you know, you could see me speaking up here. People get hung up on that one. And I think people have just seen so many bad cases and so many bad testimonies of mishandled finances. But it's gotten to the place where we can't even talk about it with people freaking out. I'm like, everywhere else in the world, you can talk about finances. I was like, every business that ever existed, if they didn't talk about their finances, it wouldn't exist. Why? Because you have to be able to discuss those things. And so don't get hung up on that when I say that. But your time, heck, time is money. Look at what happened with our lawn care. I'm, every time I see those guys, I'm just like, this is so amazing. I just, I mean, I was telling Taylor, I was like, somebody really should say something. I'm so glad that, that Todd said, and we've mentioned it before, but what they're doing is they are being the body. And there are other places in this body that need that kind of support. And guys, we we don't have everything that we can do. Like, we wear so many hats as it is already. We do a lot of different things that I wish I could focus on one or the other, but I have to do them all. And not have to, that sounds presumptuous or silly, but I it's my role in this season to do a lot of those things. And there are areas in this body that need support. And some of you that have been sitting on the sideline, God is going to call you to the forefront. And he's ready for your gift. And you don't have to be a perfect human. You just have to have a heart of compassion and love. And so you got some gas in your pocket for the family trip. You have resources available to you. And that's part of that adjustment thing I was talking about this morning is Part of us loving this community well is participating in this community and investing in it. And I'm not saying that you have to. I'm just saying that if you look at the biblical example as a standard, that's great. And I'm not going to browbeat you with the biblical standard, but I'm saying that love does something. It does something to contribute, especially if you're getting something out of what you're experiencing here at this body. If you're receiving something that's nourishing you or helping you, or getting you through a season, then think, what could I do to reciprocate that? And I'm telling you, what you sow is going to open the door to greater release in your life. God will open things up for you through your giving. Financially. Okay, and I can say that because I don't get paid. <laughs> and I'm a volunteer. I can say that. You can't look at me like, you just want my money. I don't want your money. I'm saying that you investing financially in this place is going to build this community. It's going to build this community. 
If you like what you see, what you're experiencing in this community, please invest in it. Not just in utilities and all of these things, but find something that your heart burns for. If it's the Cangelosis going to, to Zacatecas, what is the passion in you? Fuel it. Find it in this community. Say, God, where's an outlet where I can be passionate? It doesn't have to be the same thing for every person. But find it and release into it, and you're going to see this community evolve. You're going to see this community alter the face of our greater community here in Stillwater. I absolutely believe that if we step into love and connection with each other in this place and allowing ourselves to grow deeper in love with each other and investing in each other, regardless of whether or not we like everything about each other, that's the great thing about love is that it it covers a lot of wrong. Love covers a lot of offenses. And that's, that's the power of the church, is that we can love each other even though we don't like each other all the time. <laughs> it's supernatural. <laughs> it is. Supernatural relationship. But you're going to find connections in this house that are going to change the way you think. They're going to change the way you live your life. Some of the people in this house are going to slingshot you into your destiny. Some of the, the people in this house are going to set you up for the next phase of what God is releasing and breakthrough in your life. So why should I care? You should care because, well, hopefully you care about yourself. <laughs> we all have self-preservation down. But you should care because what you have is a gift anyways. What you've been giving, given, it's the master's. It's, it's his money. It's his time. That air in your lungs, it's a gift. And one day we're going to look into the eyes of Jesus, his big, fiery, love-filled, crazy eyes. You're probably going to be like John, fall on my face. Just be like, oh, God. You're going to look into his eyes, and you're going to see. I, I think the great white throne is probably going to be a lot simpler than we think, that we are going to see what our heart, uh, what our will allowed us to accomplish here on earth. And you're going to see it in Jesus' eyes. And if we buried our talent, when you look into his eyes, I think you're going to see it. And I don't think that's a judgment. I just think that that's the reality of it. You know, and it says some things that are built on. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Paul said he laid a foundation and others building on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The f I think it's the fire of love. I think it's the fire that's going to be like, was that love or was that self? And so this morning, I just want us to, to allow some things to kind of stir in us and realize that a lot of our excuses aren't very good of why we don't step deeper into God, why we don't step deeper into family. A lot of our excuses, some of them come from hurt, but a lot of times it's just we're so focused on what we want. Hello, I do that. I'm right there. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I have to have God be like, remind me. He's like, hey, remember living instrumental love? That's you. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm supposed to be loving really well. I have to be reminded. And this morning, I just want to encourage you guys that when you step into sacrificial love, your life will come alive. It's like going from black and white to color. When you step into, I'm laying myself down on the altar, and I'm allowing God to birth love through me, to grow fruit through me, to change the world around me, to love the world around me, that's when you actually come alive. That's when things start to shift in you, where you find who you really are. Identity is only found in love. Identity is only found in the expression of love. Who am I? 
When you allow God to move through you, to start loving, you're going to see really what's in there, what he created. There's a mystery to identity. Why do you think the world's asking for it? Who am I? What am I? I don't know what I am. There's a mystery to it that's found only in God, and God is love. So if you're not stepping out and stepping in to community and relationship, there's a piece of you that's going to be hidden from your own eyes. And I don't, I'm not saying it has to be this community. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like me plugging the church. This is me saying that for you to be a healthy person, you need to find what's going to come out. What's going to come out? Some of you just need to get squeezed. What's, is the juice sour in there? Let's get a taste test. Some of you just need to get squeezed a little bit. And it's good. Community squeezes you. It does. Anyone who's been in church for more than a day can tell you community causes you to feel uncomfortable and it motivates you to want to pray a lot for other people uh, and their decision making. You have to press in to where the iron is sharpening the iron. Okay, The iron's got to sharpen the iron. And if you want to get sharp, if you want to be successful in God, if you want to be a mature person who's taking the gas out of their pocket, I'm telling you, you have got to step into community. It's not just about hanging out with someone. It's about investing your life, laying down time that you'd rather not lay down. I'm like, want to hang out in my closet sometimes and don't want to see people. And somebody would be like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, Yes, I can. <laughs> I can totally do that, and I'll have a great time. And Taylor's like, hey, you need to, you need to cheer up. Get, come on, come on. She's like my little, she's my tire jack. <laughs> and so this morning, I, I do want to open up a little prayer opportunity. Um, because... I just feel this so, it's like a deep thing in me. You know, I, I, I want to preach. Like, my heart is like, I just want to have fun, and I just want to preach, and I want everybody to have a great time. But at the same time, I don't want us to stay in the same place for the rest of our lives. I don't want us to be stuck. I want us to grow. I, I know that there are people waiting for us to get into alignment in this community. And that when we get into alignment, guys, we're going to shape this community. We're going to shape the people in it, and we're going to cause love to have its way and love to move into to the way the streets are made, the, the, the things that are just everyday things that are just going to be motivated out of a heart of love. And so we need to take a look around us, and the whole my four and no more needs to die. It needs to die. The Acts Church was, I mean, I don't know. We would have been in culture shock. The Acts 2 church, where the, they had everything in common, we would have been in absolute culture shock until we got used to it, where it said that no one had any need because the community was so on fire with love that they took care of every single need that the community had. And guess what? I guarantee you, not all those people were the most pleasant to be around. They weren't the most worthy they weren't the cleanest. They weren't probably the nicest. Some of them probably were cheering when Jesus was crucified. Have you ever thought about that? And I'm telling you, it's not about how good we are that we should love one another. You want to see change in people? Just slather the love on them. Even when they're ugly. Even when they're gross, even when they're nasty, wow, just go love them. Just go, just go fight that war with love. And, you know, put that coals of flaming fire on their head and say, you know what? I'm going to love you how God made you, not how you're acting. I'm going to love you the way he designed you, not how you're acting. And I'm telling you guys, my heart's just blowing up with this right now. Can we just love each other? And not just let that be this fancy love songy, la 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 la, concert.
concept, but we're investing. We're actually getting out of ourself and letting self go on the altar and saying, you know what, eternity is bigger than me fulfilling my dreams, fulfilling what I want to do. This life is a speck. And I'm telling you guys this morning, it's time for an adjustment. It's time for change. And I'm telling you, you will come alive. When you let compassion overtake you and let yourself get out of the way, I'm telling you, something changes in you. There is a fire that comes on you. There's a passion that comes on you when self is laid down on the altar. And you will, you'll not be wondering, how do I take care of myself all the time? I'm drowning. Because you're going to be like Peter on the water. His eyes weren't on the wind or the waves. They were on Jesus. And he was walking. And then took him off. But <laughs> he did good at the beginning. All right. So we're going to pray. I want, um, you know, I like this body a lot because I feel totally comfortable to respond to altar calls and stuff because it doesn't feel like one of those things where people are like, what do you do? <laughs> this isn't going to be like come down up front or anything. But I do want, and just hold on for a second, I do want you to stand if there you realize that there is a greater level of love that you could be walking in. And Holy Spirit, just highlight that to them right now. Whatever that is, whether it's in this community or it's in their family or it's in whatever, even, even if they need to love their self in a better way, Holy Spirit, just show that to them right now. Put your finger on that area. And if that's you this morning, if you have an area, God is calling you up. He's saying, come up here. It's time to leave behind carnal Christianity. It's time to leave behind your hurt feelings. It's time to leave behind the babyhood. And you're like, now I can't stand because everyone will think I'm a baby. No, it's not what it means. There's areas of our life that need to come up. Some areas you're doing good. Some areas need to come up. If that's you, God's putting a finger on that place. I want you to stand up right now. We're going to release just grace over you. We're going to release an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that old man, that old flesh is going to come off. It's going to come off. Just, yeah, pray in the Spirit. Just start to pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we go from glory to glory. Yeah, I just call the Spirit people to rise up in this place. To rise up. That we are going to emphasize our spirit. We're going to emphasize our spirit. Our mind isn't going to control us. Our body isn't, con- isn't going to control us. We are going to respond to the sensitivity, the moving of what the spirit is saying, what the spirit is doing. Holy Spirit, right now, just rise up. Rise up. Bubble up in them like a shaken up Sprite bottle, God. Just rise up. Carbonation in Jesus' name. Rise up in them. Some of us need to just pray in the Spirit to shed off that old skin. Let's shed off that old skin this morning. Oh, Some of you just need to tell your brain to shut up. I tell my brain to shut up. Just tell your brain, shut up. I'm in control. Your spirit needs to take control of your mind. Quit letting your mind rule you. Tell that brain to just be quiet. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Mm. All right, just lift your hands in this place. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Next measure of love. The next season of love. Come upon us. The heaviness, the weight (laughs) of love. Just fall over us this morning. Let us step into that higher realm of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Energy, Lord. Energy. Love has energy. Love moves us. Moves us to compassion. Oh. Thank you. Mm. I just feel like the Lord says that some of you have been trying to walk around with cement shoes. <laughs> cement shoes. Been trying to get around. And you're wondering why you're tired all the time. That's because you've been carrying your burden instead of somebody else's. 
Some of you need to, to switch from trying to carry your burden to go find somebody that needs love. And you're gonna, you're, you'll see your season shift. Some of you need to get out of your own problems and go and help someone else and serve someone else and God will bring the breakthrough for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.